You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody, it's Ryan. I'm back with another episode, and I am excited about this one because it deals with some of the most delicious breakfast and brunch food you can think of if you like warm biscuits and gravy and pancakes and eggs and all that fun stuff. I am talking to the founder of Biscuit Belly, the Biscuit Belly franchise, Chad Couture. Chad, thank you for being here, man. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. love, love talking biscuits. So looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about you because you come from an interesting background. I remember we talked before and you started out or at least way back, you were a pharmacist and yep. you transitioned into franchising. And that seems like quite a, a quite a big leap from different careers. Talk about that a little bit. How did that happen? Yeah, you know, it's the the normal progression of a pharmacist is to uh, get your license and then get out. <laughs> I feel like yeah. uh, usually not the restaurant world, but uh, various other careers. But uh, yeah, graduated from Georgia uh, College of Pharmacy back in 08. Go dogs. Uh, it's been a good football run. So I got to give them a shout out. Yeah. And um, took a took a job up at Sullivan University in Louisville, Kentucky. That's originally what brought me up to Louisville, where we are now headquartered. And uh, worked in academia and, and had a practice site at, at a hospital for uh, about five years or so. And we got the entre- uh, my wife and I got the entrepreneurial itch and always wanted to own my own business. It's actually why I got into pharmacy to own my own, but you know, with Walgreens and CVS is on every corner. It's, it's tough these days, but right. uh, we started a, or actually bought into a franchise. It is a, uh, it was one of those painting and drinking spots and uh, opened it up a relatively low barrier to entry from a capital standpoint, uh, opened it up in uh, 2011 and it went just gangbusters uh, ended up opening the second one we noticed we were selling a lot of wine uh, it was not good wine <laughs> but we were selling a lot of it it was not good wine but it was a lot of wine regardless yeah and we were looking around at the landscape and and the bar and restaurant landscape in louisville and it was all beer and bourbon based which makes sense we're in kentucky mm-hmm. and we uh, decided like hey let's well, there's an opportunity here let's let's fill this gap uh we started off looking at a wine like a self-service wine bar with some of those uh the, some of those machines you put the card into and it spits out two four six ounces and that uh that really wasn't going to fly with the alcohol beverage rules in kentucky and so we're like oh well let's just add a food component like that'll be easy right yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was our first venture in, into the restaurant world. Uh, we found a great chef, a great GM who was working on her uh, wine certification, being a sommelier. And uh, we created a brand called Luvino. Um, it was a small plates, like Southern style uh, restaurant with with about 60 wines by the glass. Mm-hmm. And uh, we grew, we started that in 2014, grew that to five locations in three different states. Uh, we en- ended up kind of fast forwarding a little bit. We sold it in 2020, uh, not the good part of 2020, the uh, the mm-hmm. bad part. Yeah. Uh, just because uh, we wanted to focus on Biscuit Belly. So uh, my our chef and I from Luvino had always talked about this biscuit concept. 
uh, ever since 2014 and we noticed it started to be kind of a a trend in the in the industry and um it wasn't until about 2018 that we decided like hey let's we've been talking about this for four years or so let's just go ahead and do it mm-hmm. and um so we did we started working on the the name the branding the menu etc and um opened the first location in 2019 uh in uh louisville and uh, went over gangbusters line out the door you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, ended up taking over uh, very quickly a, a Zoe's kitchen that was about to close. Um, and so we took over their lease, uh, did a second one. Obviously, the pandemic hit, uh, but we felt like the economics of the first two were attractive enough to, um, to, to potentially franchise and continue expanding, uh, be a corporate and JV and franchising. So we got all of our documents done in October of 2020. Um, we signed three deals, two or three deals in 2021, worth about 15 total units on the franchising side. Mm-hmm. And it was really, we, we spent hardly anything on marketing. It was really organic. It was introductions. It was people looking to get the breakfast brunch space who liked what we were doing, loved the food. And uh, and so they started opening in 2022. Um, we raised uh, about two million bucks here locally to do a joint venture area, which is going to be or is currently in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. So we'll be expanding via um, some joint venture partnerships out in uh, kind of the East Coast. And then uh, we signed an additional deal this year for Charlotte. It was actually our Alabama franchisees wanted to wanted to get in on on the Charlotte uh, territory because they already have a presence there. So um, right now we have, you know, call it four franchise groups, one joint venture partnership group. We're looking at raising some additional funds to do Northern Virginia. Uh, and then possibly some spots in uh, maybe Ohio or Florida would be kind of our next, the next states we'd like to get into. Yeah. But, um, y- you know, that's that's kind of where we are. We, we've got nine locations now. We'll end the year with 10 or 11. And then uh, it looks like we'll end next year with around 18 open, give or take. Wow. So we'll double in size in the next 12 to 14 months. And uh, we signed a franchise development company, uh, Oak Scale, to help, uh, you know, kind of put pedal to the metal on on potential franchisees. So we're we're all in. Uh, really excited. Uh, very very um, optimistic about the future. Uh, and this, I think, this next year is gonna. <laughs> it, it's really gonna either catapult us to the uh, the next level or you know, maybe it won't, but we, we're pretty confident it, it will. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens. <clears throat> no, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you've got something really special. I had to ask you too, the breakfast sort of brunch niche is unique because it doesn't seem like a lot of people are doing it. How, how do you define your particular brand, how unique it is in that space? Cause it seems like it's a space that not a lot of people are tapping into. How is yours different? Yeah, and the competitive landscape for breakfast is definitely, uh, it is definitely getting more competitive. I mean, obviously, First Watch is the 
the darling of the category. Uh, they uh, obviously went public in the last 12 months or so and have just been on a, on a rampage of, of building stores and, and they're doing, doing very well with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what, where we fit in, and I, I guess I didn't even really talk about the concept, but uh, we are a fast casual, we like to call it craft casual sometimes. Uh, uh, so fast casual, craft casual, whatever you want to call it. Uh, restaurants, um, obviously the menu revolves around large gourmet biscuit sandwiches. We have other variety of items that we've uh, innovated over the last 12 months several different flavors of pancakes. Uh, we kind of have our spin on a chicken and waffle. Uh, we don't have waffles. We use kind of a biscuit as, as the waffle, so to speak. Uh, we've got a couple different signature omelets. We have build your own breakfast bowls. We just introduced um, more brunchy type, like uh, actual sandwiches that you could, you could have for lunch as well. Um, we're totally revamping our catering uh, currently. So that'll go live in about a month. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've done a ton of innovation this, these past, like really six to 12 months to try to expand our, our reach within the breakfast category, but without losing like the soul of the, of the concept, which is the biscuit. So, yeah. um, a variety, I'd say majority of our items revolve around the, the biscuit itself, either a biscuit sandwich, or we're, we're using the biscuits in a variety of different kind of unique ways but um I, you know i'd say almost all of like the big players maybe all of the big players in the breakfast space are you know 4000 4500 square feet they're full service um you know pretty big footprint pretty big investment up front uh we're around 2800 square feet uh maybe up to 3200 mhm uh, we typically got 80 to 90 seats inside in the patio. It is counter service, just like you would have at, you know, Chipotle. Uh, but everything after that is, uh, is basically full service. So you order at the counter, you take a number, you put the number in your little box on the table, and we do everything else. So that's busing the tables, running the food, you know, try to provide some like service touches, uh, you know, table side as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that I think is what sets us apart. We're also a scratch made kitchen, uh, about 80% or, or so of our items are made in house. Uh, and I don't know, I think we we're doing a really good job on the food piece as well. Um, yeah. which, which you don't, <laughs> you don't see a lot. I mean, breakfast can be very commoditized if that's if i'm using that that word yeah. uh, correctly but you know where they're just it's just a generic pancake a generic waffle and they're just kind of putting on a plate and sending it out and i think that's a majority of the historical kind of iconic brands is what they're doing but you know people some people are doing it right i think we're doing it right i think first watch does a great job not to tout them too much but they're definitely the kind of the leaders in the category and um but and also there's just not that many franchised opportunities out there in breakfast uh, either, which I find where we definitely have a niche as well is so many people are, you know, fried chicken so hot and, you know, sandwiches are big right now. And you know, there's 
pizza is pretty big, obviously, and it continues to expand. And these people are looking to diversify. And right. I mean, breakfast and brunch is one of the hotter you know, investment categories right now in, in the restaurant you know, field. And I, I don't know, I think we, we definitely offer uh, a very good, you know, unit economics from a, a build out sales um, profitability and, and all that. So, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think we're, I think we're doing something right. <laughs> so. Yeah. One thing I got to ask you too is, I mean, I think you're hundred percent right. It's hard to make breakfast exciting because typically it's eggs, bacon, pancakes, yeah. and it's, it's, it's always pretty much like a standard, right? Traditional, but I'm looking yeah. on your website. And I think anybody who's listening should go check out biscuitbelly.com, but you guys have, What's interesting, what's funny, and I think is unique is that, and I want to ask you the inspiration for this because you have these uh, kind of cool, like funny names for your for your dishes. Like you have the Love Shack, Fire in Your Belly, the Gravy Train, Boozy Bird. Like what was the inspiration for these non-traditional menu items? And, and not only that, are they interesting in terms of what they're called, but the way they look and the way they're plated looks interesting too. What's the inspiration? Yes. For yeah, well, in in such a visual digital world, yeah. uh, we we want our customers to be our our best marketing channel, right? Uh, and and making the food uh, look good on a plate that's kind of fun and funky with glassware that's unique in a setting that's unique. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we we see it all the time. The food comes out, people's mouths drop, you know, their jaws drop. Yeah. And they pull out their phone. We always say the camera eats first because they're taking a picture, posting yeah. it on Instagram, and then and then diving in. So we wanted to I mean we have custom plates made. And if you look at some of our competitors in, in, in the similar space, like it's a generic like beige plate with the yeah. on a generic table with generic chairs and like it's just kind of blah. And yep. so our colors, our color scheme and palette is very bright and inviting, and we want our food to kind of have that same feel. Right. So that so we and we actually when we do a new store opening, we actually have like an Instagram ready class <laughs> that where we focus on making the plates look like they do on the website. Yeah. So, so we do we do a, a lot of focus on and, and training on that. Uh, as far as the names. They are from a wide variety of of kind of places, I guess. Uh, being from Athens, Georgia, the Love Shack, you know, B fifty two song. Yeah. Um. So we had to pay like a little a little tribute to them. Um. We we used to have some other things that were more Athens or Georgia related that have just fallen off. Uh. The Rockwell, which is in the Rockwell Supreme, which is which are two of the biggest sellers. Uh, they're named after uh, Tavis's last name, Rockwell, Tavis Rockwell, who's the chef from Lubino. He's a small partner as well in, in the brand. And so we wanted to like tip our hat to him. Um, you know, we just kind of have fun with it. Actually, funny enough, Chat GPT named some of them. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then sometimes they're just on a whim. Like we, uh, we have these like a, a berry jam or a berry, a berry jam and a frosting pancake 
Mm-hmm. We call it the uh, Barry Jamalo, mm-hmm. uh, like Barry Manilow, obviously. And funny That's enough, funny. he his band came. He he played in Louisville. I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago, and his band came in because they saw that we have we had a pancake named after our you know kind of uh, kind of named after their their singer right Barry Manilow yeah. and. They were loving it. They they gave a couple of our people like really good seats to the concert. Wow! And so I don't know. It's just kind of fun. Like people people appreciate the kind of fun names, and you know, it's it's just a lot better than you know, biscuit number one or biscuit number two. And I don't know. We just we we try to have fun. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too. Like I'm looking at the photos while you're talking on the site, and it's like. It's it's hard to make a biscuit exciting because it's just there, uh-huh. you know. But you guys do a really good job of like dressing it. I don't. I mean, I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook, really. You can ask my wife; she'll tell you. But um, yeah, you, you know, you guys do a really good job of not only just the visual placement of everything on the dish, but making a biscuit exciting to like take pictures of, look at, and then want to eat because it's just in the way you guys kind of make it a sandwich. You dress it up with you know, some, some sides and some, and just a lot of color and the dressing and everything. So it was that kind of, was that idea from you or more on the chef side who kind of came up with really making the biscuit more exciting, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it was just what we wanted the experience to be. Yeah. And you know, we're always looking for a way, like you said, like how we do the sauce. It's not just a, it's not just, squeezed on the on the top right we do like a a zigzag drizzle it just adds just adds a little bit more yeah. flair and then most of our biscuit sandwiches um i mean some have a knife going through the top yeah but, uh, number one it's kind of a cool look but number two we kind of have to to keep everything together yeah. and then the smaller ones we actually put the biscuit top on the side so you can kind of kind of see what what is what is under um, yeah. It just adds to the overall presentation for sure. But right. uh, yeah. I, I think it just all goes back to that visual appeal. And there's sometimes, uh, and we've actually not put things on the menu because we could not get them to look right. So really? um, we, we definitely pay attention to how things are plated and, and just yeah, the overall visual appeal. So let's talk a little bit, segue from that to to actually buying a franchise. If someone's listening and they're interested, like who who is your ideal franchise owner and what is sort yeah. of the approach to getting set up, you know, the build out and how do you manage that sort of side of it? Yeah. So uh, if anyone was interested, they would go on and kind of look at the website. Uh, we, we actually have a separate franchising website, biscabellyfranchise.com. Uh, they could submit a lead or application that would go to the guys at Oakscale that would field those uh, requests and applications, take initial phone calls. And then if they kind of pass a couple steps there, then uh, Lauren, my wife and myself would, would get involved. And hopefully that leads to kind of a good fit culturally and just overall personality wise. Yeah. Uh, that would lead to a discovery day, uh, which is about, usually dinner uh, the night before and then four or five hours, six hours uh, the the next day. Sometimes we let the people make biscuits if we're not too busy. And so that's kind of fun. 
just to see what the process is. And then mm-hmm. we do go through a tasting. Um, they meet with various uh, members of our team. And uh, and we just kind of conclude and they figure, you know, take some time to think and see if it's if it's right for them. Uh, but typically the, the person we're looking for is already involved in a couple different brands uh, as a multi-unit franchisee, specifically in the restaurant space. So mm-hmm. we are looking for uh, really a very specific individual. Uh, you know, we don't have the bandwidth right now to teach someone how all the ins and outs of running a restaurant or really getting set up. I mean, there's, it's just such a learning curve. We've got an ex, like an onboarding Excel document of 200, 250 <laughs> items that kind of have to be checked off before you can open. Mm-hmm. Um, like during the construction process and all the things you have to sign up for. And it just helps if it just makes the process so much easier if people just already have a general idea of what's expected uh, in opening a restaurant or, or a business in general. Uh, that's not to say we wouldn't look at an investment group that is just looking to diversify, but we do have requirements as far as having their direct operator have kind of a piece of the of the pie of their entity. So mm-hmm. it's not just a a hired individual; it's actually a, a stakeholder in the in their you know investment group or the the entity that they set up for. Uh, the operation operation of the restaurants. So uh, again, we're not we're not opposed to that. It's just a lot easier uh, for really for everyone involved if they already have an idea of of you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And you brought up culture earlier. Like, how do you define? And it seems like the culture is actually really really great. I feel like there's a lot of creativity, innovation. And yep. fun. So how do you, would you define the culture like that? How do you, if someone's approaching this brand and they're interested in the culture and understanding the culture and they have to be a fit for the culture as well. Yeah. How do you shape that? How do you define that culture? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think it's overall a, a gut feeling that you get from that person. And it's just, Hey, do I want to enter a 10 plus year contract with this person? You know, it's essentially a business partner in a way. Yeah. And the franchisee is really our, as the franchisor, they're our customer. And yeah. so do we want, <laughs> who do we want as our customer for 10 years? Right. Uh, so I think it's some of that, um, uh, you know, you, you can just, I don't know, you can really just tell if it's, if it feels like you want to take the next steps with these people or, or you yeah. don't. I mean, I, I think it's community involvement. I feel you know, if, if they're coming in and telling you 10 ways that they can save money <laughs> off the first visit, yeah, you know, what, what else are they going to be doing uh, when they open their own store and you're not maybe watching them as closely as you should. So right. uh, I, I think it's just a, we're just looking for good people um, that are excited to be in a, an emerging brand. Like we've talked to actually a, a Zaxby's, franchisee uh i think it was last week we had breakfast with them down in athens and they just missed that kind of early stage where you know everyone's just kind of figuring it out and i feel like we figured out a lot (laughs) for people probably way more than you know store nine of zaxby's uh, as much as they figured it out we probably have done way more but 
they just missed that. You know, Goldman Sachs bought them or bought a pretty big position. And, you know, it's just different. And they just missed that kind of founder run, uh, you know, business, restaurant business. So yeah. they're, they're looking to diversify and they're just, I don't know. There, there's something that people are attracted to, or, and I will say the right people yeah. uh, are attracted to about a young startup brand versus, you know, Papa John's or KFC or, you know, one of these classic, you know, big, big operations. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, and we don't take ourselves too seriously. We know that we have a lot of learning to do. Um, we've gotten a lot of great feedback and input from our franchisees about what they want to see and what their customers are asking for about menu and catering and this and that. And I'd say seven out of 10 times we, we listen and we say, you know what, you're right. And let's, let's work on it. Let's, let's innovate and make this better. Um, now we're not going to be everything to everyone. We don't, we don't want to be, mm -hmm. uh, we we were probably other than a may, maybe another few menu items like we're pretty maxed out right now. But yeah, I think we we kind of have something for everybody. We have an espresso program. We've got craft cocktails. We've got things that are more on the health conscious side. Things that definitely aren't on yeah. the health conscious side. And yeah. you know we we want to avoid that veto vote. So four people are going to breakfast and. We don't have avocado toast or we don't have, you know, a spinach breakfast bowl or something like we, we don't want them to go to another spot because we don't have that. So yeah, we want to have enough things where it still kind of fits within the brand image. Um, but yeah, we're not looking to do like pancake platters and, you know, flights of waffles and all that stuff. Right. Uh, we we got to stick, stick to the biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been a great conversation, Chad. And if people are interested in getting involved with the franchise or potentially becoming a franchisee, what's the best way to contact you guys and reach you? Yeah, that, that would, again, just uh, go to biscuitbellyfranchise.com, uh, submit a lead, and you'll be contacted very shortly just to set up a couple of phone calls. And um, that just starts the process. So it's That's pretty, great. pretty easy. Yeah. There's just a simple little application uh, questionnaire in there and we'll be in touch pretty quick. And I got to tell you too, this is an interesting niche because I think like people don't really understand, I think how, how important it is to have these types of businesses, because I think there's something special about going out to breakfast with the family on like on a weekend. And I feel like there's, yep. it's it's not the same as like, it's just a different feel than like a lunch or a dinner outing. It's yeah. just, it's communal. Your, yeah, it's communal. You're starting your day out with this, this, this food and the people. And oftentimes like I'm in Vegas, it's a big food town and people are going mm. out to breakfast and then that's starting their day. And then they're going out and going to the pool or going sightseeing or shopping or whatever. Right. So it's, yeah. there's something special there. I think you guys have that it just isn't the same with like a lunch or a dinner place. So I yeah, think I think I, I agree. And br brunch is, you know, it's casual. It's yeah. fun. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I was, I read a stat somewhere that breakfast is actually the the most communal meal of the day, which I found interesting because I yeah. would have not, I would have not have thought that, you know, people yeah. just 
scarfing down, you know, a pop tart on their way to work. But, right. uh, but, I, but I guess it is according to the people that study this stuff, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we're in a very unique position here, especially being again, like one of the only fast casual, if not the, I won't say the only one of the few fast casual growing breakfast brands and uh, small footprint and it's it's still i mean people will see the startup cost on our on our websites still not cheap <laughs> by any means yeah. uh restaurants are expensive and you know things have gone up 50 percent since yeah. uh you know 2020 right but uh you know so it does take a a special special person to to swallow that pill and some backers and maybe some loans it just depends on how they want to fund it but it uh it's definitely not an investment to be taken lightly right. by any means. Well, I got to say, so, if you're out there and you're listening to this, or you're listening to Chad, this is a great brand, great story. And I mean, the food, if you go to the website, just go to the website and look at the food. It, it looks amazing. So definitely go check them out, go to the website, reach out to Chad. And um, I'm excited for you, Chad. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. Hey, this is Ryan. Are you in the market for a customer relationship management system for your business? Well, before you drop a dime, pick up my book, Customer Relationship Management Exposed, now available on Amazon. Just search Customer Relationship Management Exposed and my name, R-Y-A-N-A-R-C-O-R-A-C-I. This is your definitive guide to saving money before purchasing a CRM, so pick it up today.